0: Hello and welcome to Regen, the first episode of 2020. Welcome back and thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Dino, and joining me, a man who also thinks fencing would be cooler with a lightsaber is Chris soulsby
1: <laughs> They get better and better. How are you? <laughs>
0: I'm very well. I'm very well. I've been looking forward yes. to this one for pretty much the whole of my holiday. Um just yeah, coming back and talking electric racing. We are also joined uh, by the Sporting and Communications Director of the ERA Championship, uh, Beth Lilly.
2: Hello. Pleasure to join.
0: Yes, thank you for joining us. It's obviously uh, quite a nice time in the, in the afternoon, late afternoon, evening there. But uh, yeah, thank you for coming on.
2: Hey, you're welcome. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not too late, don't worry.
0: <laughs> good, good. It is uh, quite early and there's, there's uh, definitely the coffee in hand here for sure.
1: Yes, we're all topped up, ready to go with our liquids, and our chatting total crap. <laughs> 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 we're out the of lemms. practice, it's out of practice. <laughs> we're, we, we need it. I, I've got my <laughs> in. We need to hold it in.
0: Yes, no, just in just in time to get a cold. So that's always always good uh, for the podcast. But. Um, we will crack on. Uh, you can follow Beth and the ERA Championship at uh, ERA Championship and at Beth Lilly Race on Twitter, uh, Instagram, the same, and the website erachampionship.com. So, uh, this episode, uh, we mostly will be talking about the ERA, the Electric Racing Academy, but first, as always, uh, media of the week. And uh, Beth, we'll start with you, because I really like your one. It it seems so interesting that that's a thing.
2: Um, Okay, so... Uh, the media of the week that I chose, completely, completely no idea uh, what what you guys were expecting, but I chose uh, No Man's Sky, the game, which I've been playing on the Xbox, but it's it's available on different consoles and PC. Um, so it's the space exploration survival game, and it came out back in twenty sixteen and created quite a buzz because it had this groundbreaking, infinite, procedurally generated universe. Um, but. At the time the reviews were a little bit uh, low because basically all you could do was just explore this universe but since then they've added quite a lot of updates that means there's actually more interesting gameplay. Um, the thing that I love about it is it's got a musical score written by English post-rock band 65 Days of Static which I just think it's incredible and hypnotic and I just relax after a day of work to it. But uh, December, just, just gone last month they added uh, a new easter egg to the game called Bite Beat which uh, allows players to... Um, create their own music. It's a really powerful bit of musical software, uh, like a synthesizer, sequencer. Um, and you don't need any musical experience to have fun with it. But uh, but also if you do, there's a lot of complexity and depth. So uh, if you're like me and a complete music nerd, you can have loads of fun with it. So I just thought I'd bring that up.
0: It is really cool. I have heard of it. Um, and I've, I've heard that uh, the reviews weren't great um, after release, but they've really... They've really looked after the game and, and obviously yeah. a- adding some amazing content.
2: Yeah, they kind of created a base almost and then people people bought this base and were like, well, there's, there's not really a game here. It's something incredible. It's clearly some amazing tech, but what do I do with it? I can just fly around to different planets, but that's about it. But since then, they've actually added, say, like a storyline... As such, and and kind of a, a, a gameplay to it, and I think the the model itself behind it could could lead to lots of exciting things. So I I love it. I find it really relaxing, and the music is really good, which is the most important thing for me in games.
0: That's really cool. Yeah, I I, that I second good. that. Music um, is is just uh, I can't do the wipeout and all of the fast paced races because their music just makes me anxious. <laughs> it, it, it it really just. Things are happening, and it's yeah, too much.
2: Uh, well, well, If I if I wasn't in motorsport, I'd be a I'd be a game composer. So.
0: <laughs> oh wow. Oh well, that's uh yeah, that's really cool. And Chris, what do you do to relax? What are you watching at the moment, or or looking at?
1: What do I? Oh, I never relaxed either. You know that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've honestly got no idea. Um, what have I done recently? Um... Hmm.
0: Have you seen Star Wars?
1: I have seen the new Star Wars. However, EastEnders, uh, (laughs) Soap. Good. Soap in the UK, uh, (laughs) which is very niche. Brilliant this time of year. You know, it's lots of drama. Um, But I'll say Dracula. Uh, The BBC recently did a three-part feature-length drama of Dracula, uh, the classic tale. By Bram Stoker, and um, it had a bit of a different spin on things, really. I mean, it was dark, but it wasn't too dark. Yeah, it was good. Check it out, you know. I couldn't name any of the cast, but I would recommend uh, three hour and a half episodes. Um, Yeah, yeah. Good. There you go.
0: Excellent. What's yours? I'll try and find it and put a link in the show notes as well.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll do something. Yeah.
0: So my media of the week is one that will excite the sort of audio drama fans out there. I've been listening to a relatively new one called The Culling, and I might have talked about this one before just because it's quite interesting. It's a choose your own adventure podcast. So um, do you remember the books where if you want to do this, turn to this page. If you want to do this, (laughs) turn to this page. Uh, Go left, go right, go to page X. Um, So it's like that, but in audio. And so... When you download an episode, you get five or six in your sort of inbox at once, because you have to find out which one to go to. Um, it's for a, a separate story. So, I mean, that must be a lot of work for them, but it really is, you know, you could listen to a few different stories similar, uh, but the outcome very different. So it's a remote planet, a team of researchers creating a long range transmitter, and uh, it's sort of, they're not the only ones listening to the signal uh, in deep space. But um, I, I recommend it fully. So I will also put some links in the show notes. Uh, are either of you audio drama fans?
1: I haven't listened to one, but that sounds brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I was going yeah, to say. That sounds really exciting. I
2: might be converted. I think that the only yeah. audio drama I can think of is the like the old school War of the Worlds that I've listened to. I tend to be more of a reader, but I think I might, I think I might give that a, a go.
0: Yeah, yep, absolutely. Yeah. Well, links in the show notes for those, but uh, the main reason why we have Beth on the podcast, uh, the ERA. So Beth, talk to us about the Mitsubishi, uh, the F Ten E, and why this type of car, why this sort of spec. Um, and and what what is it with this car that you wanted to portray about the series?
2: Um, so, for those of you that are not familiar at all with our our car and the championship, um, we are an entry level electric Formula racing series. So um, the. The car is a uh, a single-seater, like you see in a lot of other motorsport, but entry-level means that the important things we had to consider when we were designing this car was, was around cost, um, because we want our series to be affordable and therefore accessible uh, accessible not only to, to companies and to teams that have lower budgets, but also to young drivers, up-and-coming drivers and future driving talent. So uh, the budget is really an important and was probably number one on our list at the drawing board back in the start when we started working on this project. Um, the car itself is actually based on the Dome F1-110 chassis, hence why it's called the F1-110E. But we had to make a few changes to the car to make it uh, EV ready, so it's got our own design sub-chassis as part of that. Uh, it's really exciting, actually, that we're working with the Dome car because I think it's the first time that the Japanese uh, F one one ten chassis is being used outside of Japan. So, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty exciting. Um, wow. Yeah. Uh, so we've we've been kind of working for a while to make sure that uh, that the car is something accessible and that was the biggest challenge really because as you as you can see in the world of evs if you put a lot of money into an ev concept then you can pretty much do what you want and that's why you see a lot of evs on the automotive market coming out that are you know fantastic but cost a lot of money so the biggest challenge we had i suppose was to make something that didn't cost the earth and therefore be accessible as i said
0: That's brilliant. Yeah. I think for a lot of drivers, um, going through the formula series, it just costs way too much.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: Even some of those drivers with a lot of backing, um, the backers are thinking, Hmm, I could put you through formula two, or I could send you off to, you know, a different series, um, whether that's over in Japan even, um, to sort of cut their teeth. But yeah, I think you know, for for a single seater um, entry level series, this is and and it's great that that's one of the major considerations
2: yeah that was it well I mean honestly it was number number one on the drawing board it's always been make make it affordable and and with that you have a lot of limitations and I suppose for like the engineering team it's been that's been the real challenges they've had to overcome uh, which I think is the the fun bit sometimes obviously I've worked in different areas of motorsport but sometimes I look at some of the 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 forms of motorsport where the budgets are endless and I think oh where's the where's the challenge there because pretty much you can just do whatever so there's kind of a beauty in the fact that we've had to really cost cut in in a sense but still make something that that is completely fit for purpose and robust so it's it's been a really enjoyable project to be working on um, and it's absolutely a pleasure to be to be working with Dome on it as well because I'm a huge fan of Japanese motorsport so it's really exciting to be, uh, to be involved with them their, their work is incredible. I'm always amazed when I go to their workshop. so um, it's been been really really cool to to bring this car from from a, a Japanese uh, combustion Formula 4 car into now the, the, the Mitsubishi F1110e.
1: But I think that's very interesting, actually. The, um, to be able to really build that car and keep costs down to a minimum, it showcases talent in my eyes. Um, it's not an easy job. I mean, you can have every resource available, uh, unlimited cash flow, but to be able to build something within a specific requirement and restriction, it's good and still keep the cost down. I like that
2: yeah it's 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 been re- it's been yeah it's been a big challenge and initially i think this is this is a project that's been talked about for a while before it came to fruition and i think we were always saying there's this space that we desperately want to fill that there was that there a lot of passion to fill this space but it is understandable that it hasn't been filled because at the time it's not easy we know that a lot of ev technology um, can be quite expensive. it is getting better because we're, we're in the middle of this crazy eV revolution, so there's more and more tech becoming available, and therefore pricing is getting better and better. but yeah it was it was the biggest challenge and to build a car that was fit for purpose and fit for that spec, it definitely uh, it definitely was a challenge, but one that we have uh, we've risen to, and I think we've we've come up good now. people are going to start to see, so that's really exciting.
1: Yes, we, we can't wait to see what happens. And from what we understand, um, there are two categories in the ERA Championship. You have the Innovation class and the Sports class. So in the Innovation class, um, teams are allowed to develop their own elements of the F110E, so Energy Storage Systems and Powertrain. And is that also on the software software side and like the coding as well?
2: Yeah, that's right. So they can develop uh, areas such as motor mapping, torque curve, the regen, uh, and and obviously all the normal setup stuff that you see across motorsport. Um, The thing with innovation class is that, especially in the earlier years, uh, we understand that some teams it's going to be quite a new thing. So they can also just choose one area that they want to develop and leave the rest to sports class spec uh so for example if the team has a kind of a strong interest in developing something like the motor maybe that's going to be the only bit on their innovation class car that is bespoke and the rest of the car will be sports class spec but but that way they they can they can kind of work on what what fits to, fits to them because for some teams it's it's a strong industry focus that's driving them to compete with us
1: i think that's very important to include really because we are seeing this electric uh, revolution And then now we're seeing it in Formula E and to give uh, automotive manufacturers and groups that chance to, you know, sink their have a bite into the industry and gain experience in that field. Very important.
2: Yeah, definitely. And for us, I I guess that's been a core, another core driver for us is to, to get a lot of smaller-sized companies in in a position to showcase their technology. Obviously, um, with the, the EV revolution, we we've got a lot of startups and SME companies, and because of that, they maybe don't have huge budgets that they would need to, to compete in things like Formula E, um, where we're seeing obviously like all the German uh, car makers and stuff. Participating, so we've we've got kind of a good platform for for maybe a, a smaller company that builds one part, and and you know if you get a good result in a racing series, that's that's pretty uh pretty reliable stats that you can use about your product and and who also doesn't love a racing car on their stand in an expo hall as well so that that's kind of a a, an opportunity we saw to help elevate these companies that are working in the the electric car sphere but maybe a younger company or a smaller company
1: Mm, yeah what i like about this is it's not just a driver's championship because it's a it's a team team venture as well really and from what you're explaining it's you know, young drivers always aim to excel in uh, junior formula and get their name out there. But this is a, always going to be a victory for the developer as well in the innovation class. Yeah, that's
2: that's definitely right.
1: Because the experience they'll gain is, yeah.
2: Yeah, that was exactly how we, we saw it. Um, the innovation class was kind of came first, I think, in our in our thought process when the championship was formed because we were seeing, as I said, all this technology out there from from small enterprises, from startups, from universities. You know, we've got a lot of university teams that compete in in motorsport style projects like Formula Student and things like that, and they've got amazing tech. Um, but they're not out there actually racing. Um, so we can see lots of partnerships between industry and between between universities as well that that can compete in innovation class and also um, existing racing teams that are racing in in entry level formulas or any formula really that wants wants to kind of get their foot into electric motorsport in in a kind of manageable way.
0: My mind goes straight to TUM from Robo Race, um, <laughs> just as a yeah as a series that you know the universities would look on quite favorably as in you know this is what our university can do and I mean for some of them they could definitely use it as a marketing exercise um, which is quite cool
2: yeah absolutely
0: yeah um the sports class obviously just a spec car and uh, more of a driver's series would you say
2: yeah, so that that's absolutely right. So as I said before, the innovation concept uh, was definitely first in in the in the uh, origin of ERA Championship story. Let's call it. Um, what happened was then when when the the uh, the championship started to be kind of pitched out there to to various um, people, that a lot of people actually wanted an off the shelf car, um, which wasn't something that was initially considered really that it would there would be a fully spec car Um, but it was so overwhelming the response that a spec car was what was also wanted that sports class was born (laughs) and um uh, yeah as you said sports class is an entirely spec car um purely for 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 driver development for for driver championships and it's great for a lot of teams that are running already in uh, entry-level formula series because they can just uh they can just you know plug and play
0: that's very very cool yeah so uh, what does a typical race weekend look like for the era um quali sessions and race sessions
2: Um, so a typical race weekend for us in season one is a double header so we've got two races on Uh, we have uh, obviously a practice session and then we have two qualies and two races uh, to make the, the championship a little bit fun and to make teams think a little bit about efficiency and energy storage issues uh, they are not allowed to charge between their quali sessions and um, both of those are 15 minutes long so they have half an hour of quali which they need to do on one charge then they're allowed to charge between race one and race two and our races are 23 minutes each so as you can kind of work out from that it means there's got to be a little strategizing between your qualities. you can't just go all out for both quali one and quali two for every single lap because you you are going to run out of energy
0: i do like that about it yeah it's quite <laughs> cool yeah I, I wonder if we will see cars stopping on track uh, I just don't because know.
2: I, yeah. I can't i can't predict I, I i we 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 keep speculating of what, what, what teams are going to do because of course if they if they really really hammer it in quali 1 and then then quali 2 is they're going they're going have to be really playing catch up and so I think it's going to mix up the grids a little bit, or well, that's, that's the intention anyway. Um, whether, whether in the start of the series uh, we'll see strategies looking a lot different than towards the end of the series once, once teams have really got used to the cars and, and what, they're, what they're capable of and how they can manage their batteries. It, it, I'm just really looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun.
0: It's a very interesting way to do it. I'm, I'm, I'm on board. I'm definitely on board with that. And the race, uh, 23 minutes. So is that pushing the car's capacity or uh, do you expect them to make that 23-minute period instead of laps uh, quite easily?
2: Well, I guess it depends uh, how good the driver (laughs) is uh, at managing the car. Um, So we, we have a a 24 kilowatt hour battery in the sports class car and uh, 130 kilowatts of power so it's up to them what they do with it and how they use it certainly if they uh, are not thinking about using regen properly and they're going you know quickly into corners hard braking and then accelerating again I think we're going to see some cars failing in the last couple of laps but um I, I guess the drivers... You know, that's another reason why it's so important for young drivers that have got the intention to race in series like Formula E actually get in the car of an, an electric car and start to feel the the difference and, and understand how to, to manage their, their energy.
1: So, race points available. Uh, we have a maximum of 28 available. So that would be a traditional system for three points for pole. Um... And would that be per class or overall? So both um, categories racing yeah. in one,
2: yeah. Yes, you're absolutely right. So, so the point system is absolutely a traditional point system as you see in in Formula One and Formula E, etc. Um, the classes are completely separate um, points and uh, championship wise. Um, for season one, we are racing both. Uh, both classes on track at the same time. Um, it's mainly mainly due to the fact that for season one we we only have twenty four cars that we can produce, so it would be sad to have two kind of half size grids, and also it, en- it enables the teams in their first year to switch class. Um, we allow teams to switch from innovation class to sports class, not vice versa, because obviously that wouldn't really make sense. But if if it gets close to to race one and and they're 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 struggling to get their car finished or to, to get it working as it should be, then then an innovation class team can easily uh, add in the spec parts to make it a sports class car and compete within that series. So. Just because it because it's our first season, we're running them together. But I mean, ultimately, probably we will separate them out depending on on interest of teams. Uh, really, it's a, it's a discussion to have kind of with a consortium of the teams of what they want to do. But the intention is they are separate championships. Yes.
1: Okay. Cool. So, and you mentioned um, the potential switch from innovation to sport. Yeah. Uh, if. Uh, the innovation team is unable to like get everything ready yeah. in time uh, do you have a like a homologation date for the championship as of yes?
2: yeah that's exactly right so if if a team wanted to wanted us switch from innovation class to sports class then then they'd have to work with our team to kind of make sure that they're then completely homologated to be within within sports class and we were hoping it's not going to happen we're hoping that uh Uh, the teams that choose to to be a part of innovation class can can make it work but also it's very easy for them to just um, buy spec parts as well to add in so like they can buy the spec motor from the sports class but then use their own battery or things like that so it's a bit of a mix and match and one of the things that's really important for us this year specifically with the innovation class is to work with them very very closely because with innovation, obviously, we need to know what they're building and what they're making. So in every kind of innovation class team for us, is it's a kind of a day-to-day conversation to make sure that, that we're working with them and always always know what's going on. So our relationship with our teams is going to be a very, very close one, uh, maybe unusually close um, in, in motorsport, extra close, because, especially because it's the first season.
1: Mm -hmm, absolutely and of course across these two classes uh, we have one thing in common which is those big black round rubber things called tires yep and and we hear that your tires are coming from michelin yeah Uh, would they be slicks or all weather kind of thing that we see in formula e
2: uh yeah we'll be with with slicks and then of course wets in in the weather um Formula E, uh, the reason why they use, well, um, there's many reasons uh, to use All Weather, but obviously it makes sense. They're on street circuits, which sometimes have uh, different surfaces, but also they're shipping their tyres, shipping, I think they're flying their tyres, all around the world. So imagine if you had to have double sets of everything it would be it would be a lot of tires going all around the world so
1: it's a logistical nightmare yeah then, so
2: it? i think i think it's a really sensible choice for formula e to go with the all weathers especially some of the surfaces that they race on of course but um with us we're racing on racing circuits so um we'll be going with with slicks
1: fantastic and i mean you're really selling this to us right now i mean you know i i can't wait for this to start
2: I can't either. <laughs>
1: exactly. I'm trying I mean, not to so get overly really
2: excited. Up. I'm trying to be professional.
1: <laughs> uh, there's nothing wrong with getting excited, you know. Where can we watch this when it does start later this year? Uh,
2: we haven't we haven't announced where uh, the series will be watchable, but I can tell you that it will be available to live stream and it won't be behind a paywall. So anybody will be able to watch. Uh, we'll hopefully be releasing more information on where it will be able to watch quite soon. So have a look on our um, our social media channels and follow us to find out more about
1: that. The the, tea, the tease is unbelievable. <laughs>
2: or, or you can come to the circuit as well. <laughs>
0: If you want to fly me over, that would be brilliant. <laughs> um, Chris, obviously, would be a little bit easier to go and check it out. So, um, Chris, that's your mission, to go get some content from the ERA for us.
1: That, that's it, that's it. Reach out Yeah, please to do. Him. Chris and Dana tackle, tackle Europe. It would be brilliant.
0: <laughs> uh, so, what was your reasoning behind doing street tracks instead of uh, street circuits like? Uh, Formula E, or was that just never a consideration for the year?
2: Um, well, there's there's several to point out. Um, obviously, a big one is cost, because it costs a lot of money to put in the infrastructure that Formula E do, and um, I absolutely love what they do, because it brings racing to a whole new audience, which is also a goal that we have, um, but I think we're going to have to reach that goal in a digital way, because with a with a low cost series we we just wouldn't be able to afford to to build and uh, remove a racetrack somewhere around the world but there's other reasons too why we felt like traditional circuits was the way to go for us for now um including things like heritage future proofing the racing circuits and um another big thing especially circuits uh, around our HQ um, ERA Championship is in Belgium and our nearest circuit is Circuit Zolder and Circuit Zolder has got a lot of noise restrictions which means I don't want to get this wrong so I'm not going to give numbers but I know they're only allowed to make noise um, maybe one or two days a week which is um, I guess very difficult for a circuit when your revenue relies on putting cars on a racetrack so we saw uh, what we were doing as a good opportunity for circuits to uh maximize their track usage um when they're not allowed to be making noise we can run electric cars on there because of course we don't make a noise and well as i said that a, a car just made a load of noise
1: that's great timing
2: <laughs> yeah we get all sorts of uh, of car noises around here but yeah as i was saying um yeah, so it gives them opportunity to run when, when, they're, when they're noise restricted. And also it gives circuits the opportunity to start looking at putting in infrastructure where needed for not only for electric racing, but uh, for uh, customers that are going to start turning up into car parks, maybe with electric cars and uh, thinking about what they're doing, as well as training up their marshals, etc. on how to deal with electric car safety.
0: Yes, that's a that's a big one, because obviously, um, I mean, Formula One has it now with the hybrid uh, engines that you see the drivers uh, not stepping out of the car, actually jumping off the car. And so it's a (laughs) bit of a bit of a change um, with, you know, grounding and everything. So, yeah, I guess that's quite, you know, quite big for the safety of everyone involved
2: yeah it's it's an important part of what we're doing with with the circuits we're working with and we work with a a specific uh, company um and partner of ours that specialize in electric vehicle safety training for marshals and for fire brigade and and provide uh, specialist fire equipment as well because obviously it's different uh, it's a different procedure and different chemicals that you're dealing with than when they're dealing with the normal combustion cars they have racing on their circuits at the moment
0: so where else can we expect the ERA to be racing obviously Zolder, um but other sort of european cities
2: Uh yeah so um one of the one of the things with uh, with our calendar is obviously we have to bear in mind costs for our teams so uh for season 1 obviously we're we're a little bit international because we're racing in circuits in the UK Uh, in the Netherlands and in Belgium Uh, but ultimately uh, obviously our teams are not going to want to travel huge amounts so we're looking at running kind of various I wouldn't say regional um, yeah probably regional national national uh, level series in different locations so that it keeps costs travel costs down for for the teams but yeah in season one as i said you're going to see us in the uk in the netherlands and in belgium which is which is nice uh, nice little northern europe uh, tour uh, in the future we've got a few ideas of where else we're, we're going to be going and of course it's going to be led by what our teams want to do as well
1: sorry wh- when can we expect the calendar to be announced for 2020 uh,
2: uh, I think it's due to come out any moment. So I don't know if it—it it might even be out before this podcast is. <laughs>
1: oh wow! <laughs>
0: wow. Okay, that's that's awesome.
2: Yeah, I don't I don't want to get this wrong and get in trouble, but uh, I've, I've I've seen the, the the finished calendar. It's 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 a short but sweet calendar um, for season one. Uh, we we were always uh, conscious that we needed to do things right and and not. Uh, over exert the series for the first series, but I think it's I think it's gonna be good, and I think we're we're alongside some some good events, um, so it's it, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be nice.
0: Excellent. Well, we're definitely looking forward to it. So, uh, what does twenty twenty hold for you, Beth? Are you what are you getting up to? Are you coming back to New Zealand?
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm actually. I think it's under two weeks I'm coming back to New Zealand now. So I'm already preparing myself for needing all of the caffeine in the world.
0: Well, <laughs> yeah, there's definitely some good coffee stops. I'm not sure if you sampled a lot of coffee on your way through the North Island. But um, the South Island is, is brilliant for coffee as well.
2: Is it? OK, well, yeah, I I did. I, I didn't have enough coffee, I would say. But I did eat a kiwi fruit every day. <laughs> So I, I think I was I think I, I was I was true to, to the, the spirit of New Zealand, um, but yeah, as, as I said, I'm coming back in um, literally 13 days, I think, um, for 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 work. Uh, we're looking at where we're going to be taking the championship in the future. There's a few different continents that we're looking at that have expressed interest in having us or that we feel is a good fit for the championship. So um, that's kind of a big part of my job at the moment is to to, to see where we can go and how many, how many cars we're gonna need to build in the next five years. Um, and of course we kick off season one in Europe. So uh, everything's kind of gearing up towards that at the moment.
0: Uh, so Beth, uh, what are the social handles? Uh, where can we follow you? Uh, your trip to New Zealand and the ERA once again.
2: Um, so you can follow me on Beth Lily Race on on all the all the platforms that I'm aware of anyway, because there's always new ones. And you can follow ERA Championship on at ERA Championship.
0: You can also follow us on Twitter at Racing and RegenRacingPodcast.com. Uh, thank you for continuing to listen to us. Uh, we're looking forward to bringing you a lot of different content in 2020, uh, a bit of writing uh, from Regen Point on Medium, uh, and, yeah, also doing a lot of other interesting things, so stay tuned. Thank you very much for listening. We will talk to you again soon.
1: Bye-bye
2: and hopefully maybe turn a few petrol heads heads if i can say that <laughs>